Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 701 for the 10th of July, 2020. This week, your smartphone or tablet doubtless includes an email application, but there's probably a better option. Let's look for one. In short circuits, up-to-date weather information is good to have, and there are several services that use differing approaches to present that information. Many email applications can be set up to delay messages you send. That's a handy feature if you frequently think of something you meant to include shortly after pressing the send button. In Spare Parts, which is only on the website, internet service provider Wide Open West is warning customers about a scam. The warning applies to all ISPs. You probably have a Google account. Now would be a good time to run a security audit. It's easy and it takes just a few minutes. And 20 years ago, big, fast, and cheap. Choose any three. Disk drives were finally becoming affordable. Mobile devices come with email programs, but maybe you don't care for the default Android mail application or for what Apple includes with iOS devices and iPad OS devices. The default apps are okay, but they simply may not fit your needs. I know they don't fit mine, and fortunately, several competing apps exist. Now let's look for something better. Bluemail is an app that I use and love on an Android phone, so I immediately installed it on the iPad Pro. Although it's a delight for Android users, Bluemail turned out to be a steaming pile of bad bits on the iPad. Gmail would have been an option, and it's already installed, but I've never liked the way Gmail works with any service other than Gmail, and I'm not really fond of how it works with a Gmail account. So I wanted an email client that would work with several standard accounts using POP3 or IMAP, an Outlook account, an Apple account, and Gmail. Outlook might be able to accomplish that, but Microsoft apps usually fail to impress users on Apple devices. Although I looked at Outlook on the tablet, I moved on rather quickly, feeling a bit like Goldilocks looking for an email client that's just right. Well, email done right is the tagline that Canary uses. It's available for iOS and iPad OS devices, and the developers say they're working on a version for Android devices. There's a free trial, and the application costs $5 to unlock the Pro features. It handles my blin.com and techbiter.com addresses, my Gmail address, the iCloud address that Apple provides, and my Outlook address. Although I looked at several other apps, Canary was the one I kept coming back to, and the one I shelled out $5 for. Canary turned out to be uncommonly easy to set up. As with most modern email clients, Canary supports both POP3 and IMAP protocols. POP3 can download messages to the device and then delete them from the server, so that is what I use on my primary computer. POP3 can also leave messages on the server but IMAP seems to be a better choice for mobile devices. I selected IMAP for inbound messages. 
Outbound messages use the SMTP protocol. Although most email accounts use the same server and the same credentials for inbound and outbound messages, I use a separate server for outbound messages. That means the setup is somewhat more complex and the email client must be able to retain information about two different connections. Bluemail does this very well on Android devices, but fails miserably on Apple devices. Canary has no problem with the complexity. Both inbound and outbound connections should be encrypted. Typically, that means moving the inbound connection from port 110 to port 993 and the outbound connection from port 25 to either port 465 or 587, depending on whether you choose the SSL TLS protocol or the start TLS protocol. In any event, both connections should be encrypted. And if you want to learn more about protocols, Fastmail, there's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, has an excellent discussion. Once you've defined all of the email accounts, you'll find them in Canary's list of mailboxes. Each account has a mailbox, and within each mailbox, you'll find folders for the inbox, outbox, sent messages, archived messages, junk, trash, and a few more. So you can examine each mailbox individually. That's handy if you're looking for a specific message and you know which account received it or sent it. But I like the All Inboxes folder at the top. It shows all received messages in all accounts. I sort these so that the most recent messages are at the top. Canary can also color code messages depending on which account received them. While viewing a message, users can click an icon at the bottom of the message. In addition to the always present icon to start a new message, users can display four additional icons selected from a group of nine options. Those options are Reply, Snooze, Archive, Delete, Move, Pin, Star, Spam, and Unsubscribe. Most people use certain options more often than others, so this allows each user to modify the application in a way that closely suits their needs. Color coding, templates, signatures, and red receipts are all managed in the Settings panel. Users can choose whether to have a single signature be applied to all outbound messages or choose to use a unique signature for each account. There's only one missing option that I wish was present. Some email applications used on mobile devices include a setting that specifies a copy of every message sent from the mobile device will be sent to that account. I like this because replying to an important message from a mobile device means that I have to remember to include myself as a BCC recipient. The developers apparently have received other requests for that feature, and it is on a list for consideration in a future version. Canary also offers message encryption with an uncommonly easy setup. Even so, I don't use it, and I have two reasons. First, I rarely need to send any information that is so sensitive that encrypting the message itself is necessary. And second, any financial or other personal or proprietary information that I do send will be sent via the recipient's online secure mail function or entered on a website where I have a secure and encrypted connection. So the bottom line for Canary, it offers just about everything most email users need. Canary is a well-designed application. It would easily earn a 5-cat rating instead of the 4-cats I gave it if it could be configured to always transmit a copy of any messages I send to me so that they'll show up on the desktop computer. You'll find additional details on the Canary website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And if you want to download the application for a trial run, visit the Apple Apps Store. 
and the Google Play Store when the Android version is released. But I also mentioned Bluemail, which I think is ideal for Android devices. Choosing an email app for Android devices was quick and easy for me. Bluemail does everything well there. I wish I could say the same for the iPad version. The inbox can display mail from all of the accounts you've defined with color coding to show which account received the message, and there's also an icon to help identify the sender. Each account has its own configuration panel where you can define the inbound and outbound servers, port numbers, and security protocols. Other settings in this panel allow the user to define aliases, specify addresses that you want to block, define sounds, and set other useful configurations. If you use a different server for sending mail, specify the settings in Bluemail's outgoing server settings panel, and the application will work as expected on Android devices. That's where I ran into a problem on iPad devices. And in fact, that was the sole failure that caused me to eliminate Bluemail from consideration on the iPad. So the bottom line for Bluemail, well, on an iPad, five cats. It's close to perfect, but only on Android devices. If only Bluemail worked as well on the iPad OS as it does on Android, the same app would serve users of both platforms. Perhaps this will change in the future, but the iPad version currently rates only two or three cats. On Android devices, though, it is a solid five. Additional details are on the Bluemail website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And you can download versions for Linux and Windows from there, too. For the iPad and Mac versions, visit the Apple App Store or the Mac App Store. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In Short Circuits, here's a section I call Weather or Not. Yeah, I know the phrase is really weather or not, but I can't pass up a chance to perform a stupid word trick. So, as you figured out already, this section is about weather. In the good old days, if you wanted information about the weather, you looked outside. Many newspapers did print an abbreviated forecast on the front page, but by the time you got it, it was half a day old. Television stations provided information at 6 and 11. Radio stations usually had forecasts every 15 minutes or so. Then the internet arrived, and eventually weather services came along when they realized that weather information could be monetized. Your phone probably has a built-in weather app, but you might want something more. In that case, there are three free with ads services. You can get rid of the ads for a fee, and there's one you'd probably need to be a meteorologist to understand. Let's see what's out there. Every weather app starts with much of the same data that comes from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Weather Service. Basic information is all there, but you might prefer a more graphic display and perhaps some more nuanced information. For that, you need one of the commercial services. The big three are Weather Underground, the Weather Channel, and AccuWeather. Two of the three are owned by IBM. 
The fourth service we'll take a look at is Radar Scope. In, in fact, let's take a look at that one first. Radar Scope's price alone will eliminate all but the most serious weather watchers. Users of mobile devices will pay $10 per device, and those with Windows or Mac OS systems will pay $30 per device. Now, those are one-time fees, but if you have both a Windows and a Mac OS computer, an Android phone, and an iPad, those one-time charges will add up to $80. And that's just the beginning. If you want more advanced features, you'll want the Pro version for an additional $10 per year for Pro Tier 1 or $100 per year for Pro Tier 2. The display is fabulous, and RadarScope describes its service as, and I quote here, the professional's choice for mobile weather radar with over 450,000 users in North America alone. The description continues, it's loaded with radar products designed for use on the job site, in the truck cab, aha, I'm getting a clue here, on the trail or even in the studio. RadarScope is the number one choice for meteorologists and weather enthusiasts, too. That's what they say about themselves. So, RadarScope is intended for those who need up-to-the-second detailed information. It could easily be too much information and too expensive for most of us, who probably just want to know what today's temperature range will be and whether we should expect rain, snow, tornadoes, or maybe a swarm of locusts. So if you are a very serious weather watcher or you have a professional need for accurate and detailed information, do take a look at RadarScope. Most of us, though, will probably stick with the other three applications. Weather Underground is one of the services owned by IBM, it shows ads on the free version and offers a version with no ads for $20 a year. That's up from the $5 a year that was charged before IBM owned the company. But even at $20 a year, that comes out to about a nickel a day to get rid of the annoying ads. People who have personal weather stations can submit data to Weather Underground automatically. That data is shown on the weather map, if you want to see it. And zooming in causes the data from more personal weather stations to appear. I generally turn that feature off, but when it's on, each station can display any combination of temperature, wind speed, dew point, and precipitation. The map can display radar and satellite views, storm tracks, and fronts. For those who live where wildfires or tropical storms are a problem, Weather Underground can display that information. And there's a new section that shows COVID-19 information on a county-by-county -county basis. The radar view is helpful in keeping an eye on approaching storms, but most users will probably spend most of their time on the daily, hourly, or 10-day view. And then there's the Weather Channel, also owned by IBM. It can display information from personal weather stations, just like Weather Underground. And the radar map offers to display a satellite map under the radar display. The Weather Channel offers hourly, daily, and weekly forecasts along with its feels-like feature. That's what takes into account wind speed, dew point, and other factors that affect our perception of the temperature. And number three is AccuWeather. It's used by many radio and television stations, and it still has the lowest basic price to remove ads. The $4 annual fee also gives the user access to the 10-day forecast. However, if you want more extensive information, AccuWeather offers a premium plan with ad-free weather information, 90-day forecasts with 15 days of hourly data, access to historical and climatological data, and analysis by meteorologists. That plan costs $8 a month or $80 
$80 a year. Still not enough? The professional plan adds expert analysis by meteorologists, what AccuWeather calls advanced situational awareness using Radar Pro interactive radar, high-resolution forecast maps, and access to AccuWeather's proprietary weather models. There is also a dual-mode price structure, $20 a month or $200 a year for individual users, $70 a month, $700 a year for commercial use. Except for RadarScope, all of the services have free options you can try before subscribing, or just stay with the free service permanently if you don't mind the ads. All of them have apps for mobile devices and web-based options for computers. Before making a decision, be sure to examine the service on all the devices that you might use them on, because some have shortcomings on some platforms. You'll find links to AccuWeather, the Weather Channel, Weather Underground, and RadarScope on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, www.techbiter.com. Have you ever sent an email that you wish you hadn't sent? Or you think about something else that you wish you had included in a message and you have to send a PS? I finally got so tired of having to send PS messages with information that I forgot to include that I set Outlook to delay sending all messages for five minutes. We'll take a look at three common email applications, Gmail, Outlook, and Thunderbird, to see how to do that with each of them. The latest version of Gmail actually does delay all messages automatically, but only for five seconds. If you realize that you need to add something within five seconds and you have fast mouse fingers, you can stop the transmission. Instead, you might want to extend that period a bit. Unfortunately, you can't extend it by much. You can undo sending a message for 5, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. I would prefer the ability to extend that to several minutes, but 30 seconds is adequate for those times when you think of something immediately after pressing the send button. To change the period, click Gmail's gear icon, then click see all settings at the top of the panel. The undo send setting is near the top. Change the value to the time you prefer, 5, 10, 20, or 30 seconds. Then scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and click the Save Changes button. And while you're on that page, you might want to take a look at some of the other settings that allow you to optimize Gmail for the way you'd like it to work. Although I'm not a real fan of any webmail application, Gmail clearly is the best there is. Outlook is my default email client, as it probably is for a lot of people who use Microsoft 365, the renamed Office 365. That's because it integrates with all of the other applications. Also, those who have Office jobs probably use Outlook there, and using the same application at home can reduce confusion. Although Microsoft makes some tasks exceedingly difficult, delaying outbound messages isn't one of them. Start by selecting Rules and Alerts on the File tab, click New Rule, then select Apply Rule on Messages I Send. Click Next two times, you'll do that without clicking any of the boxes on the Conditions panel. Outlook will get all excited when you click the second Next button, and it'll tell you, this rule will be applied to every message you send. Is this correct? Just tell it yes. On the next pane, put a check mark in the box beside Defer Delivery by a Number of Minutes. Then click A Number Of in the lower section of the pane and fill in the delay you prefer. 
My choice is five minutes. That's long enough for me to think of something that I'd like to include, short enough to avoid needless delays. Then click Next. If there are any messages you want to exclude from the delay, select Options in the Exceptions panel, and when you're done there, click Next. In the final panel, give the rule a name, make sure Turn on this rule is selected, and if you have multiple email accounts and want the rule to apply to all of them, select Create this rule on all accounts, then click Finish. Now when you click Send, the message will be sent to the Outbox for the period you specified. You can open the message to edit it or delete it while it's in the Outbox. And a good number of people use Thunderbird. Thunderbird has no native function that delays messages, but users can install the Send Later add-on. To do that, click Tools, Add-ons, and then search for Send Later. Add Send Later, and then allow Thunderbird to restart. By default, Control-Enter tells Thunderbird to send a message immediately. Send Later adds the option to use Control-Shift-Enter, and then displays a dialog that allows the user to specify a delay. Send Later can also be configured to have other settings, and a companion Send Later button add-on provides access to settings that you have already configured. So, if you're one of the people who often thinks of something important only after clicking the Send button, this is a problem you can solve. No delays are needed for spare parts. Just aim your browser at TechBiter Worldwide, and this week you'll find these articles on the website. Internet service provider Wide Open West is warning customers about a scam. The warning applies to all ISPs. You probably have a Google account. Now would be a good time to run a security audit. It's easy, and it takes just a few minutes. And 20 years ago, big, fast, and cheap. Choose any three. Disk drives were finally becoming affordable. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.